This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask, how do I grow this thing? On Startup Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey, Renegades, welcome back. One of the last episodes of the year is upon us, and I'm so pleased today to introduce you to Shannon Early. Now, Shannon went to school to be a marketer, and like me, she graduated during the Great Recession and struggled to find work. She ended up taking a job as one of the first employees for a startup and found herself doing all of the things, and she learned so much. Now, she moved on, worked in the skincare and beauty industry for years, and found that she was personally struggling with adult hormonal acne. It wasn't until she started working with a licensed esthetician that recommended a good at-home skincare when her skin started to improve. And this was a light bulb moment for her, right? So with so many people getting skincare recommendations elsewhere, Shannon realized that she wanted to highlight the importance of estheticians who've gone to school and trained for over 600 plus hours to do this kind of thing. Estheticians should be at the forefront of making better skincare recommendations. So she built POMP, a technology platform for estheticians to integrate into their businesses to make better recommendations for new and existing clients. And it's been a game changer. They raised their first round of funding last year. And Shannon is going to tell us all about how she got her first customers, how she builds loyalty, and also what I thought was one of the most interesting things that she shared was who the first hires were in her business when she got funding and what roles they played in the business. So without further ado, let's dive right in and listen to Shannon tell her story. This is Pomp Beauty. Hey there, Shannon. Hi. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. So let's learn a little bit about where you started. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh gosh, when I wanted to be, was actually a fashion designer. And what did you do with that? Did you go to college for it? No, just growing up, I thought I wanted to be a stylist or a fashion designer. And then when I went into undergrad, I started digging into marketing and business. And when I was looking into fashion classes, I realized how not only cutthroat the industry is, but really how long it would take to really make a name for yourself and make a living. And so I scrapped that idea and went into uh, marketing and French. Marketing and French. Okay. I want to hear all about the marketing, but I want to know why French? I just have a love for the French language, the French culture. It kind of went in hand a little bit with just my passion for fashion and how a lot of the big French houses, you know, are in Paris and just my love for French and thought, you know, why don't I get a minor in French? And unfortunately I don't use my French anymore today in what I do, but I still love it. You'll have to come out to Europe and see me and then your French will come in very handy. Yes, exactly. 
So that's just really cool. I love hearing that part about your story. So marketing, marketing means a lot of things. It takes people in a lot of different directions. So now that you had this education in marketing, what did you do with it? Well, I actually graduated in the 08 recession. So unfortunately, I came out of college with a degree and a really, really difficult job market. So I started working at a startup. That was my first taste of the startup world at the time when I graduated and just started at this one startup. I was working, I was bartending. I was working in retail, really trying to make everything come together for myself. And at the time, just my degree wasn't really serving me with the economy. And so really just trying to make ends meet and piece things together. But I did, like I said, in the beginning, just get my first taste in the startup world and got my first opportunity there. It wasn't really in marketing. Yeah. But it was getting an understanding of all. I was the third employee at this like government marketplace, and mm-hmm. I really got a taste for really all the hats you have to wear at a startup. Yeah, yeah. So that was my first toe into it. That's really interesting, and I think a lot of us have that experience. We graduated around the same time. We're probably in the same age range, and I experienced something similar. And I think a lot of us did, you know, where we got the degree, and then we're like, "All right, we're ready to go out in the world," and and the world was like, "Sorry, there's nothing available." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was really hard, and it definitely forced you to pivot, which is a really good skill for anybody in a startup. Tell me about that first startup experience. I'm really curious because I feel like the startup world is kind of its own little bubble in a lot of ways. So I'm curious how you with a marketing degree ended up in this job at the startup being one of the first employees where the focus wasn't using your marketing degree. What were you doing there? Yeah. So I was part of launching new brand partnerships and bringing new brands onto the platform or marketplace. But then, I mean, I was part of e-commerce and shipping and I was running to the post office every day. And then I feel like slowly I was starting to understand how do we market this business as a startup with limited resources, um, working with the two founders, and then started just getting creative with some of the brand partnerships that we were launching with and how do we get in front of our target audience and get them to know about this platform and marketplace and what we were building. And so trying to get creative with the founders. And I feel like then I was able to start to think about just some of the marketing background and degree that I had, but how we could get creative with it. So you had to get creative with it. You were really learning on the job and putting those skills to work, even though it wasn't technically what you were hired for. And what did you learn? What did you take away from that startup experience? Because you became a startup founder yourself. (laughs) So there must have been something appealing about it. I don't know. I might just be crazy. I don't know. But I tend to thrive in these very uncertain situations where you kind of are just thrown in and have to figure things out. And I think what I learned, you know, a few things, I think one is just wearing a lot of different hats and really being able to take ownership of a lot of different 
areas, but then having the freedom to come up with new ideas. And I think what is interesting about startups and small companies is if you are okay in you know some of these uncertain environments, then you can really end up thriving because I think in a startup, you kind of just have to figure out what works and throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. And if you're okay with coming up with all kinds of ideas and testing a bunch, then you can see the fruit of your labor versus coming into, I have worked at larger organizations and it's harder to see your impact. And I think what was interesting at my first startup experience is you really get to see the impact. And when you look back over the last year, like, what you were doing a year ago and where things have come and just how each idea can be a pretty big contributing factor to where the company's at today. So that was, I think I was just able to learn and develop a lot of skills in that sense right off the bat. Yeah, that's a really good point. So how did you get from point A to point Z here? So you had this experience, you were really enjoying it. You're being scrappy, wearing all the hats, and then you ended up launching your own startup. Tell me about that. How did that come about? Yes. So really great question. I am a pretty risk adverse person and I like stability. So a lot of people call me psychopath for <laughs> for doing this, but I also just felt so passionate about it. But I think what was interesting, the steps that got me here was my first job at this startup, and it was a marketplace. So really got to understand both sides of the marketplace and some of the technology pieces of building a custom platform. And then after that, I went on to a beauty company and we were selling and in charge of all of the distribution for retail and e-com with a lot of the major retailers like Sephora, Alta, Nordstrom. And my role in that was I was the first person that was coming in to really develop and grow a new division within the company. So even though the company was a little bit further along, it was kind of this like mini startup inside of this organization because I really had to build the team from the ground up. But that was my first really deep dive into the beauty industry. And I was already a skincare junkie. I loved the beauty and wellness industry. And I think what was interesting with my experience there is I really got to understand all sides of the industry, even including the professional market. So like med spas and derms and plastics, and then every you know everyone on the retail side and a lot of the marketing components that go into it. And I think what I really started to realize was this industry is really hard to compete in and it's really crowded. So it's really difficult for new brands to really make an impact if you are not part of, you know, like a Unilever, Estee Lauder portfolio company. A lot of these like emerging brands, it's just really difficult. And then I was also struggling with adult hormonal acne and I started seeing an esthetician And they were able to handpick products for me for my at-home routine after a treatment. And this was six years ago. And this was kind of this aha moment where I was like, okay, I've worked with all of the retailers. I've seen and worked with, you know, half a dozen skincare lines in the industry. And why aren't more people getting skincare advice from licensed estheticians? 
They've gone to school for 600 hours. How do we bring more awareness to the masses that one, you should be getting recommendations from an esthetician. And then two, on the other side of the coin, how do we support estheticians who are really overlooked and a lot of them are independent business owners and they're just trying to build a clientele. And so this was an idea that came six years ago. I spent a lot of time just mulling it over. I spent a year then qualifying and validating the idea. Then didn't want to leave my full-time job. So I was still working on it on the side and bootstrapping it. And then decided to go into development at the end of 2019. And then we actually soft launched a friends and family March of 2020 when the world was shutting down. So kind of a wild time that brought me to this point. Hey, it's Shauna here. I want to take a quick break from this amazing episode to send a free resource your way. Starting up is hard. Whether you're bootstrapping or you've got some funding behind you, you don't always know exactly where to start. I want to fix that. You head to startuprenegades.com right now. You can claim your free business benchmark blueprint. That's a mouthful. It's going to help you set a plan in place so you can create your foundation for growth. And it's free, so why not? Head to startuprenegades.com right now and grab yours. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I mean, what a ride you've been on so far. So now you've launched. You've launched in a time that is pretty precarious, right? It's not an easy time to be doing this thing. And Talk to me a little bit about what you did to get your very first customers. Oh, gosh. I mean, again, we were bootstrapped and you just have to get so creative. So this was before we raised our first round and it was me and three part-time developers. So I was HR, legal, head of marketing, all of the things. So I, to get our first customers, I mean, we didn't have a budget, so we couldn't spend on any paid channels. So I was just reaching out to people I knew in the industry. So that was something that with my past of being in the industry um, was helpful. So reached out to a handful of people that I knew in the industry to test and use Pomp, um, try it out for themselves, hope that they would post about it. I would give them referral credits. So if they could give out, it was a very manual uh, referral program, but I would give them credits and then they would give other credits to friends and family. And then I would just reach out to individual influencers on my own and just see if they would want to try it. And just really trying to get creative with how we got our first customers. Yeah, you have to get creative. It's so important. Now, did you find that one of these strategies worked better than another? What was really kind of bringing in the customers on repeat? So I think what was bringing more customers in was actually our pivot to focus on estheticians for acquisition because we had partnered with now 17 skincare lines And that gives a lot of estheticians access to product lines that they wouldn't have to, they wouldn't be able to get on their own or have education around. So we actually pivoted to focus on esthetician acquisition because they had a clientele 
already. They could bring us their clients. And because the recommendations were from an esthetician and their clients, they were transacting at a very, very high rate and then coming back every month or two to repurchase. That's great. So did you have these kind of estheticians on your Rolodex already? Or were you doing kind of outbound communications to try to find these people? So a little bit of both. We started with a few estheticians and then we really started to target and reach new estheticians. And again, we would get really creative with it. We would you know, luckily it's a profession base, so they're fairly easy to search on social media and LinkedIn. So we just started reaching out to estheticians coldly on social channels and letting them know about Pomp and what we were doing. And at the time it was free for them to use. And so it was easier for us to go this B2B to C route to customer acquisition because the esthetician, we were providing a platform for them. And if we were opening it up for their clients, then it was a little bit more impactful and stickier that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Okay. So now you've got your first customers and you've got to scale and we're talking about raising money. What was kind of the next evolution of the business? Yeah. So we have always, and even to this day, do things that don't scale. And a lot of the still behind the scenes, a lot of the things we do are pretty manual. What we decided was we didn't want Pomp to be a lifestyle business. And in order for us to really build out the technology and grow, we needed to take on additional capital. And so that kicked off a pretty long and difficult seed round of funding. And again, this was during the pandemic. So everything was 100% virtual and raising first time as a founder, just learning along the way and how to get it done. So it, it took us about a year to close our first round of funding last May. And then from there, just within the last year, we were able to build out our team. So we now have nine full-time people. We were able to really expand on the technology side of the platform. I have a big question. So congratulations on your raise. Thank you. Raising is hard and you just, you deserve a pat on the back for (laughs) for getting it done. It's hard. So when you said that you could hire people, so now that you have funding, yes. what were the most important hires that you did right away to help your business be successful? So the two were product on the technology side. And then honestly, our operations and experience team, because what we realized, and this has been part of our strategy since we've launched, is we don't want to invest in just paid performance channels, but where we found that we created very sticky relationships was in this esthetician onboarding process. So we needed some experience coordinators and support to onboard estheticians, um, help them understand how to utilize the platform. And so that's actually a big growth driver for us is actually the headcount that supports the estheticians. 
What kind of things are they doing? Is it like a like a sales and experience team? Are they like finding the estheticians and then supporting them? How would you kind of define the role? Yeah, so probably more of the latter. Because we've built a lot of tooling and technology for the estheticians to incorporate into their day-to-day business, we have found that having support team members that can give estheticians the platform demo, give them tools to communicate and outreach to new and existing clients and really help their day-to-day business. When we have that support for the esthetician, that really allows us to cater to their clients um, or any new clients that are coming in. I would say a lot of the leads that we're getting from estheticians are mostly organic word of mouth. So where we really felt the gap is, is getting them to understand how to utilize the platform into their business because it is a new type of marketplace. Okay. That brings up even more questions. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. So you said that what really works on that side of your business is that organic word of mouth. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say this, and I've also, you know, been in businesses where we are trying to make the word of mouth happen, but it's not always that easy to get people to talk about you. So is there certain processes that you put in place or, you know, do you just go out and ask, you know, after they've been working with you for a certain amount of time, right? Is there, there something specifically that you're doing to help make word of mouth so successful in your business? We're still figuring it out and trying things. So we haven't fully cracked the nut, but we've definitely tried different channels. I think what is very unique about estheticians is their level of community. So a lot of them are part of these closed aesthetics groups. And so there's a lot of just organic and natural questions that pop up around, you know, what tools do you use for your business? Have you ever worked with this skincare line? What has come up more times than not is estheticians that we're working with are part of those groups and then say, oh, I'm I'm working with a pomp. This is part of the, you know, technology that I'm using in my business. Or I work with these lines through pomp and part of the community piece. And then we also try to incentivize estheticians on helping us spread the word. So if we can get them to talk about POMP on other channels and we can capture any new leads, we will incentivize them for that. But a lot of times we just ask them to, if they enjoy working with POMP, please share it. A lot of them do have very aesthetic focused um, podcast that they're a part of and to give little plugins there, really just trying to get creative with different ways. I mean, that is just at the core of being a startup founder, right? Just getting creative with it and trying things out until you find what sticks. Exactly. This has been amazing, Shannon. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Can you tell me a bit about what is going on with Pomp today? Yes. So we are really focused on the supply side of our business. So like I've been talking about this whole chat around estheticians and 
really building out a lot of technology. So we have a really pretty exciting product roadmap in the pipeline um, of things that we're going to be developing. Um, We have officially launched our 17th brand partner. So really excited about the skincare lines that we're working with. And yeah, we are about to kick off another fundraise. So I'm about to dive into that too. Yes. All right. Well, tell me, you've got to answer the big question now. What does being a startup renegade mean to you? Oh gosh, to me, it's like, I mean, a lot, but I would say leaving what is behind and just being so focused on what you're truly passionate about, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's hard and messy in the startup world, but you're passionate and you know something's there and you're just pushing forward on this vision that that you have or I have. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much for being here today, Shannon. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yes, absolutely. Just go to pompbeauty.com and it's P-O-M-P like pomp and circumstance. So pompbeauty.com. All right, we'll do that. Thanks. Thank you. That was this week's episode of Startup Renegades. Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade. Thank you.